0: A reading from the book of Isaiah the prophet chapter 52 verses 7 through 12 how lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who announces peace and brings good news of happiness who announces salvation and says to Zion your God reigns listen your watchmen lift up your voices. They shout joyfully together for they will see with their own eyes when the Lord restores Zion. Break forth, shout joyfully together your waste places of Jerusalem for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy, he has bare, his holy arm in the sight of all the nations that all the ends of the earth may see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there, touch nothing unclean. Go out of the midst of her, purify yourselves, you who carry the vessels of the Lord, but you will not go out in haste nor will you go as fugitives, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 21, verses 3 through 6, and verses 8 through 14. When we had come in the sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unload its cargo. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey, and they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship and they returned home. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own hands and feet and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people were urged there urged him not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart for I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. Another reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, verses 16 through 34. It happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing her master's much profit by fortune telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out and saying, these men are bondservants of the most high God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days. But Paul was greatly annoyed and turned to her and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very moment. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, these men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs which is not lawful for us to accept or to observe, being Romans. The crowd rose up together against them And the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a commandment, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Sias and after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in the house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. And immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them. And he and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Amen. So, welcome to our what do we call this video cast of uh, our normal Sunday worship gathering on March fifteenth, two thousand twenty. So I guess I should start with saying, beware the Ides of March. Although if your name's not Julius Caesar, you don't have to heed that. But, <laughs> so, uh, hopefully everyone knows enough Shakespeare or history to uh, to, to get that reference. Well, uh, you know, we... Uh, I got back uh, from India, I guess, uh, what? when did we get back? Uh, I was hoping Stephen and Deanna would be up front here so I could ask them stuff. Deanna needs to stay up here during this message. and Okay, and Stephen too. When did we get back, Stephen? Thursday. Ther- Thursday afternoon, right? Late afternoon? And so... Uh, All the international, national coronavirus stuff was just starting to happen. In fact, uh, we had had bought kind of a plan where we were uh, talking on the telephone and texting back to the USA. In fact, Deanna helped us uh, with ministry things pretty much every day, more than once a day uh, in India. But uh, we... Had, had a plan in such a way that uh, we didn't have ability to text, talk on the phone or anything while we were in the air, although for some reason I got connectivity when we were flying over Russia. So uh, not knowing too many people in Russia, though, I didn't make any calls. But um, um, the very first text I got when we got to Newark Airport, uh, which Newark is like a suburb of, of New York City. Uh, it's it's a little bit like Beaver Creek in Dayton. I mean, Newark, as you're flying in Newark, you can see all of New York City quite well, and you're just really very, very close. They pretty much, people in Newark, think of themselves as New York City people. Um, and so the very first text I got was from Carla Hale, my daughter, and uh, she the text just said, did you hear what Trump did last night? And I thought, Did he say something stupid? That was a pretty good guess, you know. But uh, (laughs) uh, so then she proceeded to text back, telling me that he had uh, uh, closed the uh, travel from Europe to the United States the night before in a speech he had, which um, was kind of a. uh, That's probably a good place to start this message. Uh, because it was uh, the the whole trip was characterized by various minor to potentially major types of peril uh, that God in His sovereignty alleviated us from. So you, as you hear the whole story, you'll find out that we ended up staying in Bangalore the whole time. So we decided uh, a day or two before we came back. To change our plane tickets, because we were supposed to fly from Hyderabad, which we never made it to, uh, to uh, Delhi, and then from Delhi to Frankfurt, Germany, and from Frankfurt, Germany to Chicago, and from Chicago to Dayton, uh, all of which would have taken like 30 hours, which it was how we got there, and uh, so I was... Um, but, you know, as I was praying about it and thinking about it, I told Stephen, you know, I don't want to fly out of Delhi because Delhi was the hardest-hit area of India for the coronavirus already, and things were kind of accelerating every day. The last two days we were there, some of the, uh, the kids that we were ministering to, their, their schools were closed, and so I had kind of fun teasing them about were where they really bummed out that they didn't have school. Of course they were not. But... Uh, <laughs> um, The uh, so anyway, at the last minute, we changed our plane tickets to fly from Bangalore instead of Hyderabad to Mumbai, which is the largest city in India, formerly called Bombay. If you know Indian history, Uh, only a mere 18.1 million people, uh, more than twice the size of New York City. And then we flew directly from Mumbai uh, to Newark, New Jersey, a 15 hour flight. But had we stayed with the original plan, we wouldn't be back yet because uh, the flight in Frankfurt would have been just in time to get outlawed to come to the U.S. And what they're doing with U.S. citizens that were stuck in Europe is they're flying them to like 13 different cities and then going through like a two to three week quarantine process before they're allowed to come back and so forth. So it would have delayed had we not, by the grace of God, decided to change our plans. And it was definitely kind of a Holy Spirit thing, uh, where we sensed the Lord in it. Uh, we would have been back a couple of weeks from now. So, and I'm glad to be back. So, so let's get started uh, this morning. I want to start by praying for a couple of situations that aren't related to the coronavirus nor to. Uh, to the India trip first uh, our beloved friend and member church member Caleb Trimbach, his grandmother, Shirley Lindner, died uh, the other day about four days ago now, I guess, and Shirley uh, was of course uh, she, they, she was friends with our family they uh, uh, Shirley and her husband Richard moved to Broadview Heights, the city I was from just as I was becoming a Christian and their daughter, Martha, who, uh, of course, is was Caleb's mother uh, and who married Larry Trumbach, so Martha became Martha Trumbach. Uh, and let's see, back in 1977 on June 12th. It's harder. Can you believe I can remember their exact anniversary? That's because it's exactly five years before Catherine's My to the date. It's so easy to remember. And... Uh, the uh, Martha was actually the first Christian friend I ever had, and of course she died of cancer when Caleb was about seven. After uh, a long battle of cancer, or six months or so, and um, um, anyway, uh, Shirley had been a, a good friends of my parents. She was part of the uh, the Anglican Charismatic Renewal of the sixties and the seventies. Uh, her and her husband had been missionaries to Brazil, which is why if you knew Martha, you knew she spoke a little Portuguese. And uh, so, anyway, I kind of want to pray for Caleb. Uh, Kay, Shirley was quite important to Caleb. Uh, I always remember that. So, Lord, we just hold up Caleb Trumbach to you and and uh, Larry Trumbach and the Lindner family. Richard and Grace still live in Cincinnati, and, of course, Shirley died in Cincinnati Uh, and lived there the last several years of her life. Um, So we just pray your presence would be felt and known during this time. Um, There's at least one or two of the lenders that I don't think have a relationship with you, or at least not a very strong relationship with you. And I know it would be Shirley's desire to see them come to Christ. And I pray somehow you would use this uh, time in their life to... uh, to bring them to christ and we thank you that she lived a rich and wonderful life serving you for many many years in jesus name then i also want to pray for ken and wendy jenkins and their family lord uh, ken had a massive heart attack the other day and uh his uh, re, uh it was miraculous that he's still alive they had to revive him and so forth and um and he was well enough to uh actually posted about his own heart attack on Facebook this morning. So, uh, uh, of course, Ken was probably the first computer geek I ever knew. But more importantly, uh, Ken has been a pastor and a friend and a helper to Catherine and I and, and, uh, and a friend of our family for many years. So we, we pray that you'd be with him and extend his life for fruitful service. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's. Uh, we're going to talk about sort of a report from India. Um, one scripture I didn't put in because I didn't want to have too many of the, too many scripture readings was in the book of Acts. As you know, in Acts chapter thirteen, it starts off by saying there were prophets and teachers in Antioch, in that um, the the uh, it lists uh, five of them by name. And that includes Paul and Barnabas. And it says, while they were praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Paul and Barnabas to the work I have called them. I've always liked that because the use of the past tense, the work I have called them, indicates that Paul and Barnabas had known for a long time that they were going. You know, this India trip is something we've been thinking about, praying about, planning, uh, praying into and, and working toward. Of course, uh, Paul and Barnabas didn't have the advantage of Google Hangouts calls, so uh, mostly Deanna and myself and Anvesh have been teaching a number of uh, the church members that we now have in India by Google Hangouts calls for probably more than a year now, right? Quite, quite a bit better than a year, and of course, David Yamarte, who's gonna head things up for us there, we probably met him uh, at least five years ago, maybe going on six years, And he's visited here in Dayton Grace Christian Fellowship four or five times over the years because his work sends him here. He was just here a couple weeks ago, and we spent a great deal of time with David and his wife Aruna. Um, I actually have some gifts to give some of you. If I I I felt like resting a lot the last couple days, we were very tired, so I didn't uh, get out and deliver. I brought. Gifts back for I don't know ten or twenty people. Some of them include these beautiful bracelets that Aruna makes that are full of bright colors. If you know anything about the uh, the way the Indian ladies dress, they have very bright colors and uh, um, and uh, they they very very wonderful colors. So um, so let's talk a little bit about. Uh, the India thing, um, I am asking those of you who are listening to the video cast and those of you who are here to get some paper, pen, something out so that you could jot down at least some prayer requests, even if you're not the type of person who takes notes uh, to the sermon. One of the nice thing about all the people from India is even the 8- and 10-year-olds are taking diligent notes when you're teaching. And in some of the meetings, I actually spoke for uh, six or seven hours, and the eight-year-olds were still paying attention, uh, not fidgety, and still taking diligent notes. And when called upon and read scriptures, and of course, they, uh, the, the ones we're dealing with all go to private schools and all read very well. Although when you add their little Indian accents plus their eight or ten it's so cute, you can hardly stand it <laughs> uh, and uh so but they they read very very well, and their their English reading is usually far above like what most American kids of that age and their attention span is far above American kids of that age uh, and I don't know all the factors that go into that they're not uh, they're not a little allowed to have a a lot of electronic devices and telephones and things like that by their parents. They do know how to use them. Uh, like one night, uh, our you're going to hear a little bit about our dearly beloved friend that I'm uh, adopting named Golda. Uh, and she called me on the phone one night. And of course, she had to use her mom's phone to do that because even though she's 14, she's not allowed to have a phone of her own which makes perfect sense to me. But um, anyway, so I kind of want to start off by a, a bunch of thank yous, because... And this, by the way, this, this whole India thing was such a roller coaster of uh, s- some difficulties, but some fantastic uh, anointings and senses of God's presence that I'm not going to be able to get through this without being pretty emotional. I'll probably cry at a, quite a few places. So uh, one of the things that this has caused me to give a lot of thought to is just the idea of the body of Christ. Because one of the things I'm so aware of is without uh, all of us together, I could have never... Uh, Never gone, one of the first things that set a tone for this is I guess it would have be two weeks ago Sunday after our fellowship dinner uh, a bunch of people prayed for me up in the first few rows of the church. Uh, it seemed like we had more ladies than men for that, which in our church we usually have more men than ladies for most things, but uh, I do remember several of the ladies being there, and uh I was kind of overwhelmed by how much uh people cared. And uh, so, I, you know, just from the start, we were sent off by a lot of prayer, and I just began to realize this, that we're doing this as a community. Grace Christian Fellowship is planning a church, which, by the way, David Yamarte, uh I gave him the the opportunity to name the church, and he decided to call it Grace Christian Fellowship of Bangalore, India. So, um, and uh, so... um. We'll talk a little bit about why Bangalore instead of Hyderabad, because got you know the the mind of man plans his way and the Lord directs the steps, but the the Lord moved us to a different city for ne- for now anyway. So um, so my first thank you goes to Josiah Byron Anvesh and David Furlow. Uh, Josiah and Byron spent about eight hours yesterday getting this ready, so when uh, You know, when I got back, I was planning not to get any text or anything. Friday morning, I I got a text about 10 a.m., about five hours before I wanted to get up from Leah Gray, saying that uh, she and Deanna and John Gray and Anvish were discussing what we should do about the coronavirus and so forth, and uh, they needed to talk to me right away. And so we ended up deciding to... uh, uh, do our meetings by videocast for for who knows how long. Uh, we, um, there are, there's lots of opinions everywhere, and like everything in America today, there's nothing you can do that you won't get some people that say yay and some people that criticize you. We've gotten both of those responses already, some people who are angry at us for not meeting today and some people that are like thanking God that we did the right thing and And everybody has an opinion. There's a saying that goes with that, but I won't say that, what that is. (laughs) But uh, some of you know it. Um, But the truth of the matter is, um, here's what I believe would be a biblical or a Christian response to uh, what, you know, what our governor Mike DeWine is doing, what our president Donald Trump is doing. Whether you like these people or their political parties or whatever or or their character or their personalities, here's the bottom line. Even in in the height of the Roman Empire, in a time when there was a cult of Caesar worship, Paul tells us in Romans 13 to be subject to the governing authorities and to the civil authorities. And... um, I know I've heard from certain pastors who um, uh, have expressed the opinion that everybody's overreacting and they're still going to have service. Of course, a lot of churches are doing what we're doing, uh, videocasting their uh, uh, worship meetings for for the time being and so forth. And uh, we decided to make available, uh, you know, we have certain churches in Dayton that we uh, are friends with and in some cases even look to for advice. And we respect greatly Steve Woodman and Arbor Church. And so we uh, decided to make public a a letter that Steve Woodman published uh, uh, about their church doing the same thing. And here's the bottom line. I am probably better educated than about 90% of our church. There are definitely a few people in our church that when it comes to science, technology, math, things like that, uh, have a better education because of course my areas of expertise are biblical studies, theology, church history, <laughs> history, think, philosophy, things like that. And uh, I'm not a great studier of science, although I like st- science and and study a fair bit of science, especially when it has to do with things like creation, evolution, debate, and so forth. But, um, you know, we have one doctor in our church, Liz Burr. Most of the science technology people in our church are engineering-type people, not necessarily medical-type people. And um, this is something that you almost rarely hear, so please listen to me. When it comes to things like this, here's my very strong advice. I don't know enough to have an opinion. And I know most, more than most of you by a lot. <laughs> so um, I think the, the, the last thing we want to do, um, I do know history, and so I do know about the flu pandemic of 1919 when the influenza virus first uh, morphed or what, however it developed and so forth. And I do know about how many people died then and so forth. I do know about the uh, the great plague that, that wiped out more people in Italy than, than what Corona's doing in, in 1348 and so forth. The last thing I think we wanna do is uh, look back years from now and say, we were cynical and, and non-cooperative and we under-responded. I hope that we end up being wh- where a lot of people ended up at, in, in the year 2000 when everybody was afraid that when the the uh, clock turned over from 1999 to 2000 it w- that we were gonna have what's called the Y2K bug and because of the computer's only being programmed with two digits, for years instead of four, that the whole world was going to start having computer failures and crashing, and there was going to be, you know, mass collapses of economies and all this, and I remember uh, studying all that kind of stuff a lot, and uh, I even priced out what it, what it would cost to get a generator for my house and so forth. Now I have two, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, although, um, anyway. I I remember that in the end, I decided just to take my chances. In fact, I quit my job one month before, uh, in December 1st, 1999, so that I could in in the year 2000 start my own company. And I was betting everything that it wasn't going to be anything. Uh, So, but you know, in a situation like this, it's probably better to be over prepared than under prepared. And we'll see how bad it gets, but um, corona is now with us, and it's going to be with us for, for hundreds of years in the future. Uh, it'll run a certain course where it'll be less of an epidemic, uh, maybe in a matter of months, and so forth. Uh, but I don't think anyone knows uh, just how bad it's going to be. Um, they do know that uh, that uh, the chances of dying from it are mostly for small children whose immune systems aren't fully developed. That is, children under 10 years old or so, and for mostly for older people above 50s, and especially if they have conditions like type 2 diabetes and or any other kind of uh, health issues that would make it harder to survive, the, This, and pretty much the same as the, if you make it harder to survive, like if you had the flu. So, um, you know, we are going to just do this for the time being. Um, and this came, you know, uh, this was kind of presented to me from John Gray and Anvesh and, and their wives. And uh, I said, well, it's, you know, uh, I'm just going to go f- along with it. And so, um, ultimately, uh, there there will be some great things we can accomplish through this. Um, for one thing, I'll be watching wa- wasting a lot less time watching sports for a while. <laughs> uh, yeah, part of the reason I came back the day I did was I planned to be back for the last three rounds of the Big Ten basketball tournament, <laughs> of which didn't exi- didn't happen. <laughs> And, uh, and tonight, I would have been watching uh, the show called Selection Sunday at 6 o'clock tonight to see all the teams that made the NCAA tournament. But uh, well, I'll be here having a leaders meeting instead. Uh, <laughs> so um, so anyway, first thank yous are to just uh, Josiah and Byron, especially also Anvash and David Furlow, our cameraman. Um, we should get him a little like press pass or something. Um, uh then also you know, while I was gone, it was nice to uh uh, you know, I got a message that our water heater went out and uh, all I had to say, you know, this to be in Christian community is such a wonderful thing. I just told my wife, call Nathan Hager. And when I came back I found out that Nathan and John Bradbury and Logan Carr had taken out my old 50-gallon water heater, which had lasted, thanks to having a whole house filter system, had lasted 20-some years more longer than it was supposed to and was dead now. And uh, they I don't know where they buried it, but, uh, <laughs> but they uh, installed a new one, uh, and uh, I looked back in, in that part of the basement, looked nice, and uh, and we still have hot water, and uh, Logan, or uh, Nathan, let me know how much it costs. So, you know, that was just nice, and then uh, uh, through text and different things, I was aware that at least Teresa Cummings and Lourdes Bradbury were spending time with Catherine, and um, Catherine took this kind of hard which I was a little surprised at but not too uh she missed me a lot i you know uh i guess uh, <laughs> you know, the, the truth is um we've never been apart this long in in uh in uh, 40 years so uh so that was uh it was nice that she missed me i'm glad she didn't go glad he's gone <laughs> Uh, And uh, I think it was especially hard because, as you know, I encountered some health problems on the way. And so uh, next, I wanted to make sure we thanked Anvesh because, um, you know, neither Stephen nor I had ever done much traveling. Uh, We didn't know anything about getting passports, visas, plane tickets, all that stuff. And Anvesh kind of coached Stephen. I didn't uh, give Stephen any input. Um, and I don't want to get ahead of myself because I'm trying to do this in some order and have the, the most important last. So I'll, I'll just say that uh, Anvesh helped Stephen with that at this point. I, uh, there's a couple of people I want to thank that some of you might not know. Renis Bowers who was formerly the East Dayton uh, Chief of Police, or Fire Chief, what am I talking about? Uh, Fire Chief, and uh, he retired about nine months ago because they have mandatory retirement at age 70, but he goes to the same areas of India that we went to about one month a year and has ministry there, and uh, so I took him out to lunch a few weeks ago, and he gave us a lot of good advice and texted me uh, every day. You know and text it back and forth um next liz brewer uh who hopefully is watching by videocast uh because when i was kind of a little bit worried about what was going on with my foot um i i knew how to do the math of what time it was and i knew that it was two thirty to 3 o'clock in the morning and date and time and i called her anyway and uh To her credit, even though she was quite d- deeply asleep and, and uh, took, took a minute or two to completely wake up as we were talking, uh, she wasn't grouchy or what are you doing calling me. She was very courteous, pleasant, and we brainstormed together, and she did her best to help me think it through and, and, and uh, was very kind about it and even followed up with some text to see how things are going. Uh, next, uh, a lot of you know Beth Karayuki because uh, she was a member of our church for years. And Beth uh, is an expert at uh, healing hard-to-heal wounds, especially for older people. I, I have a condition called type 2 diabetes, and last time I had a burn, um, it took about two months to heal a, a small little burn. Uh, and I had to use special kind of bandages, which Beth is bringing me later today or and uh um it it 'll probably take another six to eight weeks to heal this to heal this wound and until then i 'll be wearing these you probably can 't see them on the camera, but i 'm wearing sandals that are pretty uncool uh, <laughs> that we uh, that we found in uh India, and they were they were really a godsend because um um, I couldn't wear any shoes, cause, nor can I still, because the uh, the wound's on the top of the foot, and the shoes the shoes hurt the hurt quite a bit to wear any kind of shoes. And so we found these sandals that have these toe guards on the front and the back. They have thick rubbery soles that are just as just as comfortable as a really nice pair of walking shoes. And uh, they don't look very cool, but. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to come back uh, without these, or I would have had to wear a stocking feet only. So um, that was awesome. What was this name of that sort of big something? The Big Bazaar. The closest thing they have in India to um, probably to like Walmart or something or Meijer or something. Uh, but Beth, uh, Beth, we actually sent video, uh, pho- photos of the wound to Beth every day, and, and we talked several times and texted every day, and uh, she was very helpful. Uh, next, Anvash, uh, who helped with ministry by Google Hangouts calls, and especially Deanna. Deanna helped every day. And... Um, if you know there there's there's nine and a half hour time difference And then last sunday when you guys had daylight savings time that changed it to a ten and a half hour So many of the times that we were asking deanna to help were like 5 a.m. or whatever your time and she uh helped with uh a couple different sessions where people getting baptized in the holy spirit She helped me do some deliverance one night. She helped me do counseling and um uh she, uh she was just so amazing. It, it was almost as if we, uh, like, hit her in the suitcase and brought her along with us <laughs> in, in this little laptop. In fact, I sort of had that feeling. If you ever read, like, any futuristic books, like Fahrenheit 451 or something, we, we you know, we had her on, like... Uh, um, what do you call it, Google Hangouts calls, so you could just see, like, their heads. Like, I'm and Deanna were on one of them, that most of the time was just Deanna. But we put her, like, in the corner of this circle on a chair. <laughs> so, it was like it was like she was, just her head was in the meeting with us. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, that was a lot of fun. And, uh, thankfully, Stephen, uh, brought my laptop, and <sighs> hooked up the Google Hangouts calls whenever we needed them. And then lastly, on the thank yous, um, I'm going to thank the India team later, and I'm just going to work that into uh, to telling you about the trip. But lastly, Stephen Leopold. You know, of all the things Stephen's ever done for our church, you know, he's had to learn drywall, carpentry, electrical, plumbing, uh you know, all the you know, making all these scripture sheets that I asked him to make and Bible studies and and different things. This was probably Stephen's most crucially finest hour with us because I didn't give him any input about how to get us ready. I just expected he would have us ready. And over the years we've developed a list of I'm very idiosyncratic almost as much as John Gray, maybe more so. And uh <laughs> And uh, so I, I need everything from, like, my back scratcher to two different kinds of white socks, two different sizes of underwear, <laughs> the bigger ones when I'm sleeping, and, uh, the, you know, et cetera, like maybe TMI. But, uh, you know, uh, you know more than one kind of toothpaste, you know, et cetera. Um, and, like, I, I don't... I, I can't think of anything that that we forgot uh that is Stephen forgot because I had nothing to do with it. And uh and Steven carried our carry-on bags. Uh I couldn't really help much with that with my back going out. Uh and you know, uh peeled oranges got went out shopping to find where we could find some food. You know, food was a really big issue. In fact, I'm thinking of publishing a special India diet. I lost about six pounds in 11 days. (laughs) You know, that's not not on my special India diet. So uh, I was a little scared to eat the food, so we just uh, bought oranges, tangerines, bananas, uh, cashews, peanuts, uh, let's see, dried apricots, prunes, golden raisins, and black raisins, and then eventually... uh, you know, we kept telling the driver and everyone else, we want to go to the most expensive store where the Westerners go, but everyone thinks you always want to save money. So it took like a week till he finally, you know, finally uh, the driver took Stephen to this store. He goes, this is where the rich people go. And I'm like, thanks, finally. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it was all imported cheeses from uh, England. Unfortunately, uh, the only crackers they had were a couple of kinds from France that were quite a bit worse than our communion crackers (laughs) and uh, one of them was quite a bit like the communion crackers except not nearly as good (laughs) and uh, so we couldn't really have any crackers but uh, to go with the cheese but we did have British cheddar cheeses uh, very sharp nice cheeses and uh, that was the the last part so uh, and a couple times we went out to the buffet at the Hyatt Regency but you know when i by the time we paid for six people that was like 150 dollars a pop we couldn't really afford to go there for too many meals um the only at the hotel we stayed at uh you know it was supposedly a four star hotel the only the only thing we could eat there was the they had some fried potatoes about once every four mornings that i could eat so there was no there wasn't anything else they served that i could eat so, I wasn't about to take any chances with uh, the way they process certain food. Like, for instance, they have eggs, but the eggs are not refrigerated. You don't really know how exactly how the chickens have been cared for, and it, you know it's a little more dangerous than you'd like it to be. So I didn't risk any of that stuff because, uh, as it was, I did get dysentery once, and uh, that. Uh, only lasted less than 48 hours, but that was because we decided to eat Pizza Hut, which is a big mistake. So, ironically, John Gray, uh, we did eat Domino's, and Domino's was safe. And, and oh, I wouldn't say great, but it was okay. It was better than Americans' Domino's. All right, so let's uh, get into the uh, scriptures. Here are the readings today. I had them here somewhere. So Isaiah 52, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. I got a little kick out of that since of course that has to do with bringing the gospel, but then I, when I wore, had to wear these stylish loafers today... Uh how lovely are the feet of him who wears uh Indian sandals with white socks. Um in Acts uh in the scripture that we read from uh hold on, I'm trying to get my pages squared away here. The scripture we read from uh, Acts twenty one, I guess I wanted to start with talking about the trip now. Um you know, we left. When did we leave? Uh, what day of the week was it? A Wednesday, right? Thursday. Third, oh yeah, because we stayed. We stayed because of Ash Wednesday. We left Thursday, and let's see, what day, what date would that have been? Well, February twenty seventh. Is that right? So we flew to Chicago, and uh, the verse that uh, Teresa read. Uh, in Acts 21.4 that says, and through the spirit they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. I, I thought that was an interesting thing. It's more interesting to me than the one later that we read where the prophet Agabus to, uh, tells Paul that his feet would be bound hand and foot because the Agabus uh, r- prophecy is basically assuming Paul's gonna go and this is what's gonna happen when he goes. But the wording of Acts 21.4 seems to be saying these people by the Spirit were saying don't go. And so one of the interesting things about this trip is as you know I have a certain number of advisors that I look up to and some of my best advisors were telling me don't go uh, because of my health issues and so forth and and, uh, but Uh, all the most important of my advisors were saying go. But, you know, there were some pretty pretty important people in my life that didn't want me to go, so it was a little bit of a... But it really seemed quite clear from the Holy Spirit that, you know, the Lord has wanted us to go. Uh, You know, everything from the day we met on Vesh... We've asked the Lord to confirm the direction to India a number of ways, which keeps happening. You know, one of the prayers we had was that God would give us other contacts from India. And we did our best to have some fruit, uh, or well, I wouldn't say we did our best, but we tried a little bit to to share the gospel with some Indian students at Wright State and so forth and couldn't really get anything going there. And then a lot of you know that David Yamarte walked into our church when we were back in the old building, Five or six years ago, and Anvesh happened to see him before the church service and introduce himself, and they sat together. We got to talk a lot afterwards, and and of course on on David's second trip here, he got baptized in the Holy Spirit and um, so forth. So um, you know, so that's been one confirmation that the Lord was in this uh, for us, and then of course. Um, by the grace of God, Deanna was able to lead uh, Sindhu to Christ uh, a few years back, two or three years ago, and Sindhu has, has made great progress, and it, as you know, the whole thing of Sindhu being able to get a visa had some supernatural aspects to it, and the Lord used mostly Deanna, but there was one particular incident where De, you know, Deanna called me when I was riding my bike, and it seemed like the Holy Spirit gave me very clear direction. And then I even said, set up a Google Hangouts call with Sindhu, and, and I just really loved her from the first time we talked. And, so, and then, of course, uh, through David, we met his brother Emmanuel and Emmanuel's wife Joanna. And eventually we met their uh, David and Emmanuel's sister uh, Kamala and their daughter Golda. And so, it, you know, it seems like it's been very clear that God's hand is in this. And so, you know, the whole thing of where, uh, you know, frankly, a couple of very, very significant advisors to me didn't want me to go, but my pastor, Ray Nethery, uh, Ned Berube, uh, and interestingly, I have two doctors. One is my general family doctor, and one is my cardiologist. My cardiologist is actually from Hyderabad. And uh, he's Indian by nationality and did most of his schooling in India. And, uh, you know, both of my medical doctors said it was no problem for me to go. So, the, and the, the Lord was with us even though it was challenging at times. So, um, trying to find the other scripture again, I wanted to mention. All right, so uh, so the trip, um, so the trip went fine to Chicago. Then when we got to Chicago. We had a layover there, and so we walked around the airport there. You know, one of the issues when you're uh, my age is that you can get blood clots when you're flying in your legs when you're flying uh, at high altitudes for a long period of time. And I have generally had a pattern in my life where when the Lord wants me to have a little bit of a warning about something health-wise, somebody significant in my life will experience that very health problem. You know, my cousin uh, Tommy died of a, of a heart attack because he had blocked arteries, and uh, that was what led me to go get myself tested. When, and I, of course, had six-way bypass surgery in 2003, Uh, And I wouldn't have gone to get tested had Tommy not had that experience. And so there's been a pattern like that. And my sister-in-law just a few weeks ago had two pulmonary embolisms, which a pulmonary embolism is when a blood clot frees itself from your legs that usually, and she got it from traveling too long without getting up and sitting in the, you know, she drove nine hours from Pennsylvania to Ohio without getting out of the car to walk around and so forth. So, and then uh, normally a pulmonary blood embolism is a life threatening situation and where the clot uh, blocks the passages to your lungs. She had one on both lungs simultaneously. And uh, it was quite miraculous that she lived. And uh, some of you know I drove up and spent some time with her in the hospital. But I felt like the Lord uh, allowed me to take a warning from that to be careful on this trip to get up and walk a lot. So uh, we walked, uh, I don't know, probably two or three miles in the Chicago airport because we had a long enough, uh, long enough uh, layover. Um, however, as you all know, when I walk a lot, I also struggle with having my back go out. And so then the flight from Chicago to Frankfurt, Germany, was about eight hours. You know, they now have these GPS things on the back of your seat that you can watch. They're pretty cool because it shows you where the plane is and everything. And it tells you you're at 35,000 feet, and the temperature outside is minus 78 degrees Fahrenheit, and you're flying over the southern tip of Greenland, you know. And, uh, and it's like, like don't... Good thing we can't get out and go for a walk. But uh, <laughs> um, but I was uh, getting up and walking around the plane almost the whole trip, and I don't really know if I overdid it or what. I was uh, doing a lot of stretching. and uh, But by the time we got to Frankfurt, Germany, my back was so, so out that I could barely walk. And so Stephen and I made our way to... Uh, Tried to find someplace kind of private in the airport, but I ended up just laying on the hard marble floors while uh, Stephen stretched my legs out and stuff. And we tried to get my back spasms to relax, but we couldn't. We ended up having to get help from the hospital and get, or hospital, from the airport and, and take a cart to our gate. And um, it's amazing that the Lord can actually speak uh, through. Uh, even demonic and pagan people, and so uh, you know how I am. I make friends everywhere of everyone and so i i 'm forgetting her name, and I was asking Stephen if he could remember her name, but we met this uh, very nice young lady from Serbia, and uh, you know the it 's kind of nice that English is being becoming such a common language that her English was well enough for us to have enjoyable conversations but while we 're talking i 'm actually laying on these uh, on these what seats in the airport and she's like what's the matter and i'm like well my back's kind of hurting and uh and so she's a practitioner of this demonic uh alcohol thing called reiki and so she asked me if she can do her reiki uh <laughs> procedures over me and i said no thank you but um but it was interesting that uh she then kind of said like even though uh her perspective was certainly not in Christ. She said something that God very much used. And she said, you know, you're going to India, a very spiritual place. And, you know, it seemed like the Lord used the whole, her to to remind me in the Holy Spirit. I just began to think, you know, uh, we are bringing the baptism in the spirit to a country that most, first of all, India is about uh, 80% Hindu. It's about 15% Muslim, 3% Christian, and 2% other. And of the Christians, uh, most of them are of a kind, kind of evangelical Christianity that's actually more watered down and less content than most of our evangelical Christianity is by a lot. And so, um, you know, when Paul says in Acts 19, uh, two, to the Ephesians, uh, the first 12 men he met in Ephesus who had only heard of John's baptism, when he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And their response was, "We have not even heard if there is a Holy Spirit." That actually kind of describes uh, Indian Christianity. And so uh, you're you're in a country where are, are we running out of time or anything? I can't see that clock for some reason anymore at all. Um, do we have the lights turned down or something because of the video? Is that what it is? Okay. So, oh, is is the digital clock correct? I'll just go by that then. Even though I don't like it. Uh, oh, so um, Liz uh, Brewer just sent me a text correcting something I said. She, she must be watching the video, cast. <laughs> she just said uh, kids are not at the highest risk from COVID nineteen. I had heard I had heard they were, so apparently I'm. And if you remember, uh, of course I tell them Diana. She she wasn't actually there except by video. Stephen remembers that. Uh, they shut the schools in in uh, Bangalore just through fifth grade because I guess that was their understanding that kids are at the highest risk, and uh, so the Golda, the old the older girl, had to still go to school where the younger girls didn't. But anyway, um, so thank you, Doctor Burrow, who's apparently listening by podcast. So it's, uh, I'm, it's good to hear that someone is. <laughs> I actually stayed home for a few minutes of John Gray's 930 message this morning, and we we looked on the thing just before I came, and 19 people were watching it, and I, I, I was kind of hoping for I said, well, at our house, uh, we're just one device watching it, but there were three of us watching it, and my wife, Logan, and I. So I'm hoping that uh, we, there's many households where two or three or four or five people are watching it at the same time. In any case, um, so... So, I'm, um, you know, we're in um, the airport in Frankfurt, Germany. My back is just hurting so bad that we're actually talking about whether to go back, whether we should go back to America and forget it. And, um, you know, after this uh, young lady, who I wish I could remember her name, she was a very nice young lady, uh, very lost in terms of the faith and so forth, she was actually going to India to, uh, do some deeper yoga training <laughs> and so forth with uh, yoga gurus and all this. And um, so uh, Stephen and I ended up spending a little time in prayer and d- just doing some spiritual warfare and so forth. And from that moment on, by the time we got to Bangalore, my back was doing a lot better. So thank the Lord for that. So then we got to Bangalore uh, the would be about 2 a.m. their time, Saturday morning. And David, Yamarte, Emmanuel Yamarte, and our driver, driver Cornelius Babu. Did I say that right? Babu, say it. Babu. Cornelius. Anyway, which means son, right? Uh, Cornelius, that name, like the Cornelius in Acts 10. Uh, was our driver. So they pick us up, and we got our first uh, culture shock as we drove the streets of Bangalore. So even it, it would, by the time we got through immigration and all that, you're trying to tell me something. Oh, oh, so oh, we have, is Cornelius up there? Yeah, uh, no, yes, no, there, Cornelius is in the middle in the yellow shirt, sorry. Uh, so he's, so I'll, I'll stand aside so I can, so of course you all know Stephen at the left, then me, then Cornelius, then his son, Joel. Joel's about 19 and a half. And Joel, uh, Stephen, and David Yamarte uh, did some Bible studies with Joel and taught him. So what what we're up against is Joel is uh, is in college. He's a really good character young man. And he uh, told us he wants to grow in the Lord. Uh, we were a little skeptical because he said that in front of his parents, and in America, if you know, like someone said that in front of their Christian parents, that might not mean anything necessarily. <laughs> but that we'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, but uh, that it's quite different situation in India, and, and that's why I had the reading from Acts uh, uh, 16. Is the philippian Jr. Was that this the chapter? Yeah, X sixteen. Um, so anyway, Joel uh, is and uh, Stephen and David Yamarte did uh, what about four hours of Bible study that while well, I was talking to some other people in the other room. We ended up having meetings in our hotel suite, and uh, the hotel suite had a nice little living room area that was great for meetings. And in fact, we had the first Sunday meeting there with nineteen people, and. uh, uh Stephen, you, you, you talked to Joel, what, about four hours, right? So, you know, I asked Stephen how it went, and this is kind of typical. Uh, he said, Joel asked great questions, paid attention. It wasn't like, when can we stop, wanted more. But they could cover anything and everything because he knew almost nothing about the Bible, although he's been going to an evangelical church all his life. And even worse than what we have here. We you know we have that kind of experience here quite a lot for a number of reasons. So then to the right is uh, their sister Joni. Of course, Cornelius is the dad. And Joni is 14. And uh, she is wanting to grow in the Lord. Part of the reason for the leaders meeting tonight is we have more people wanting to grow in the Lord than Deanna is probably gonna be able... To, to handle and Deanna and myself. So we're gonna ask some of the ladies on the leadership team to start discipling some of the uh, Indian contacts we have by Google Hangouts and so forth, and sending them our outlines and our books and all that kind of stuff. So then that's, working back around, still going clockwise, that's Joseph, their son. Joseph is 10 or 12, Stephen? 10. And then that's the wife, Zipporah, who is uh, St. Moses' wife's name. And uh, Zipporah is a nurse, works at a hospital. She was the only one who was unable to attend our Sunday morning worship because she had to work that day, and she delivers babies. As she works in the OBGYN department of the hospital. So Cornelius was the first guy we ever met, and Cornelius is a super-talented person, This might seem a little weird in our culture, but Cornelius is a professional driver. All he does is drive executives and people around because there's no way you could learn to drive in Bangalore unless you really worked at it. It took me one night just to get over the, like, what took me the whole two weeks to get over the culture shock. I don't think I recovered yet. So... 'cause you know there there's it's such a crowded city that at three thirty in the morning, like if you drive down Smithville Road, which is normally a busy road, at three thirty in Dayton in the morning, you'll see a car about every minute or two it's It's busier at three thirty in the morning than our rush hour uh you know they say New York City is a city that never sleeps it's Bangalore surpasses new york city they uh, there, there's just millions of people all the time, and the way the roads work, there's, um, it's kind of like a, a somewhat of a mildly organized chaos, where there's, <laughs> where there's sort of some rules. Uh, so there's some, there's uh, two or three lanes that are sort of suggestive, but nobody really <laughs> follows them. <laughs> Uh it's just however many motorcycles and cars can fit past each other at once. And they do it by when you're about to pass them when you beep and they move over a little so you can squeeze through or whatever. And uh and and so in our country, people would be using their middle finger with all the beeps. No one's getting mad. There's just beeping and and nobody's upset at each other. It's like uh everyone it's, there's a kind of courtesy and manners to it. It's just very different than ours. Um, And so it kind of gets to whoever gets the spot first, uh, the other people have to stop before they hit them. (laughs) And, uh, and so uh, am I doing a good job describing this? And uh, it's kind of, so when you, when you're kind of going through a a crossroad or stuff, you both kind of, uh, looking at each other, and then the, the first one hits the spot, the other one doesn 't has to not hit him and, uh, and you have to be very aggressive to get anywhere. Uh, David, all, who also drove with us and so forth, not quite as aggressive as Cornelius Cornelius is a master of this and uh, and it 's like quite amazing it 's a talent above you know it 's very talented um, so uh, and then of course. Uh, Another aspect to it is you don't like go to your destination uh, because the way the roads work and how busy they are, so you go past where you want to go. Then you do a U-turn to go back to where you're you're wanting to go. So you're always doing these U-turns, and there's no such thing as U-turns are illegal or frowned upon. Like there's U-turns everywhere, and, <laughs> and it really does get into like. When you're trying to do a U-turn, there's hundreds of cars coming, and you just look for a wide enough opening to t- try to get in there, and then the other ones have to stop and not hit you. <laughs> and, it's, uh, and just you know, by comparison, we looked at the statistics in Dayton. Of course, remember that Bangalore is nearly 50 times as large a population as Dayton. But in Dayton last year, there were 11 traffic fatalities. In Bangalore, there were around 680. And, and of course, the police don't even come to the minor accidents. Uh, you know, they actually, uh, other people stop. They help you. They help you if you have to get to the hospital, whatever. Uh, everybody helps. And, uh, and they even kind of adjudicate it was your fault. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, uh, and they get it all worked out somehow. So, Dr. Driving in Bangalore was my first culture shock. Then we uh, arrived at the hotel room and uh, uh, by that time I was uh, feeling nauseous uh, from the food on the plane uh, as we were driving from the airport to the hotel to the point where I was debating, can I make it to the hotel or not? We were debating whether to try to pull over somewhere. And uh, Cornelius was just going to pull over to the side on the highway, but I said, no, no. Uh, just, I'll make it to this. So the very first thing I did when we got to the hotel was find the restroom and throw up and, uh, and uh, hope that I wasn't that sick yet, uh, which I wasn't. Thankfully, I felt better after that uh, for a couple of days. Um, and, you know, the first thing you notice when you go into the hotel room is this is a four-star hotel. You know, this is over a hundred dollars a night, and it um, it smells so full of mold and mildew that I you know I if I hadn't thrown up from the food, I probably would have thrown up from how moldy and mildewy it was. Uh, that got better as the week progressed because I think just no one had been running the air conditioning or, or whatever. So as we kept the air circulating and stuff, by but I actually had several nights where I couldn't get to sleep because. Uh, um, um, it was It was so mold and mildew that i couldn't i couldn't breathe, and i actually uh actually was a, a little bit worried the first few days whether I would actually live to make it back to Dayton or not so uh thankfully, Stephen was Johnny on the spot with just about everything we needed um, so um so the first day we were there um uh David had had arranged for us to meet with a guy named Ravi Kumar, and I don't even know how to, Vadi Wassar, <laughs> I don't know how to say his last name, but I, that's, that's, uh, that's Ravi. And uh, Ravi is an engineer like David. He works for a competitor company called Collins, which is a com, uh, competitor to GE Aerospace. Uh, Ravi has a master's degree in engineering. His English is very good. Um, I think that that's taken in front of the church Ravi had me speak at the second day we were there, and um, Ravi is an elder in the church that David and them have been attending called the Layman's Evangelical Fellowship, and he's one of approximately 12 elders, I think, or so forth. And Ravi is very interested in our ideas. He's never heard of the baptism in the Spirit or anything like that, let alone, you know, 90% of our main ideas are all new to him. We spent, um, what, about six or seven hours speaking with him on Saturday, and I took everybody out to dinner at the, uh, uh, what's the name of the hotel? Marriott, the Marriott which is a super five-star hotel and very, very nice. And, and all the waiters have these matching suits and stuff. It was a pretty nice place. Uh, but Ravi's very sharp, and he's, uh, he and I kind of made a, a deal that I'm going to be uh, kind of having discipleship meetings with him by Google Hangouts going forward. And he's a little bit uh, betwixt and between in the sense that he he's, uh, knows the Bible a lot more than David does and, or any of the other people we talk to. And so he kind of realizes if, if a lot of the things I was telling him are true, that this is going to revolutionize his whole world, including his family and everything else. And, and he's like, you know, like, what am I going to do if, if he said, you know, if he buys into our ideas, he'll be kicked out of their church. And, uh, and I said, you should join our church. <laughs> so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Um, so that was the next, and then the next day, uh, where, where is that, is that the picture from the church afterwards? That's the inside of the church I spoke at, right? Yeah, after, this is after church, after I spoke there. So you can see the plastic chairs, they're kind of like you buy for 10, eight or 10 bucks at Walmart. In both churches we attended, that was the only church chairs they have. The children uh, sit on the floor up front, and the grown-ups sit in chairs if they're old enough. Uh, But they didn't have enough chairs, so only like the older ladies sat in the chairs. There were some steps ascending to another floor, and most of the men sat on the steps. But it was was about the same size as our church normally is. (laughs) Obviously, we're down... uh, due to the podcast thing. Uh, But it it was about what, 60 people or 70 people, something like that. And uh, my message was very well received. I was told as we drove there, I was speaking. And uh, so I put the message together in my brain and uh, maybe that's a better way to go because I actually stayed on target, very concise. (laughs) I I I should probably just decide what I'm speaking as I'm walking up to the podium. It was one of the best messages I ever gave, and Ravi was translating. so in, in, uh, in India and the cities we're in, all the educated people speak English, but a lot of the poorest people don't speak English. And this was an extremely poor church. The entire again, when they had about as many people as we do, but it was, if you put like if you took our um, pre-readers' classroom, the whole church was about the size of that, literally as we kind of made our way up to the front, we were kind of stepping through, they were kind of sliding over just to make, try to let us get through, because it was packed wall to wall. People sitting in the corners, on the steps, everywhere. And um, and my friend uh, that I that already men- mentioned, uh, I gotta go back in my notes. Yeah, uh, Rennes Bowers had already prepared me for this as did some of our Google Hangouts calls if you remember the first time I ever asked Golda and her mother um, Kamala uh, if they would like us to pray for anything they asked us to pray for Golda's upcoming exams and Rennes told me if you ever pray for any of the Indian families they will always ask will you pray for our exams and, uh, and a lot of it a lot of it is um, because there, there's so much poverty. And they see education as the is the their best chance to make some progress against poverty. So even six and seven year olds, none of them are like taking their education for granted. They study and they want to do well. Uh you know, Huldah who's David's eight year old daughter, uh she she could take her turns in the scripture readings. His ten year old daughter Hannah, when I had question and answer sessions, she asked the most insightful questions at 10 years old and she loves the Lord and wants to grow in the Lord and reads better than lots of the people that are college age in our church and um and when you add the little Indian accent it's so cute you can hardly stand it uh that that's the neighborhood the church was in is that correct Stephen and uh like and that that's like walk, walking to the church after we parked uh so uh water is such a precious commodity you lot see the blue thing there and the blue thing up top on the steps? they they pay for water to be delivered like once a week so that they can have clean enough water to to wash the dishes and and so forth and everything like that and uh this this is actually uh, somewhat of a typical neighborhood in Bangalore. So, um, so um, one house we were in, like, so there, there's so many good things and different things about their culture. Um, you know, I'll pick on the Hager family. When I go over to Nathan and Tiffany's, it's very clear that Samuel and Aletheia are glad to see me. And they are hi, Pastor Greg, and so forth. But it was like the event of the year when we came over to Kamala's house. Uh, they had pre- cleaned the place, they were ready, they were dressed in their best outfits. Yeah, that's, that's in Kamala's house. And that's uh, Kamala on the left. Uh, and to the right is David's father, John Paul, and his mother, Agnes. John, Paul, and Agnes do not speak English. So, um, and I actually sat about where I'm sitting in that picture, or more probably where Kamala is, and David sat on the floor. To the right, you can see the front door. They don't have to close the door, open the doors. Like, uh, the day we left, it was 90 degrees, but most days it was 86 or so. By, and so it's already warm by 10 o'clock in the morning, you know. I brought a jacket. That was silly, (laughs) you know. Um, So that's uh, on on the left is uh, Hulda. In the middle is Hannah, in the middle is in the right is Golda. And so they almost every time we saw them, they wore outfits that color coordinated. Uh, not because their mothers wanted them to, because like uh, us coming to see them was super special. It was like Christmas to them. They they actually every time I saw them, they got us flowers, like that. And in their culture, uh, that would be pretty pretty expensive. So. And uh, so and one of the things is like it's okay, and that's of course a manual. And Joanna, you've heard me share some of Joanna's story. And Emmanuel is David's younger brother. He's uh, 34ish or so, 35. And uh, and Emmanuel and and, uh, Joanna just had their second anniversary this past January. They've been married about two and a half years. And Joanna is the young lady whose father was Hindu and she was actually kidnapped by her parents and beaten every day for about a year to try to get her to renounce her faith. And uh Deanna uh helped me with uh some we we had some meetings with just Deanna, I and Joanna, and we just uh made so much progress helping her get founded in the Lord. It was it was it that alone would have been worth the trip. Uh how much progress Joanna made. Like her countenance was so different and and it and it was so wonderful to her. And she actually um, you know, no one asked her to do this. We didn't take up any offerings, but she gave me uh five thousand rupees to buy a sari for my wife, which I actually didn't buy a sari, but I bought the cl- the cloth that it's made out of. And uh and she brought bought a nice dress for Deanna, which is pretty was a beautiful dress. And of course, they have love the colors. Very, like you can see from her. From her outfit, uh how colorful it is, so you notice I'm wearing like light gray pants <laughs> they' like they they use reds, golds oranges purples er, er, everything is very lovely colors so that and that was uh that was the first day we were there um on the on the floor you can see next to me is a water bottle of the only water we were able to get the whole time there. It's called Bisleri, and it's in, it's a product India's very... Do you know Bisleri, Anvesh? Uh, the water's called Bisleri. It's supposedly India's best water. Uh, and, of course, I read all about it because I'm all about water. It was terrible. Uh, but it's... it's uh, they, it is micron, micro-filtered, micron-filtered. It's um, ozonated, so it's not reverse osmosis, but that's pretty close. And then uh, they add the minerals back in that, like, Nestle's or some of the best bottled water here does. But uh, for whatever reason, it tastes terrible. But it was the only uh, water we could buy for the whole time we were there. And that, one of the first things I did when we got back to America was bought a bottle of Nestle's purified water and... and uh, it tasted great. Uh, anyway, so, um, so, and then, you know, David uh, explained this to me. So even the, they're, they're, they're a more wealthy family than most. But in India, uh, if you're a little bit more wealthy, you own a car. For instance, our driver, Cornelius, he had a much nicer car than probably just about anybody in our church. <laughs> uh, it was a Toyota Impreza, as called it called what is it? Innova. Innova. Yeah, so it's like an SUV type thing. It's ve- it, it was a 2018. It was a very, very nice car. And, uh, but, but uh, even, the be- even the most well-to-do people could never afford to own their own house. So, uh, you know, today, you know, in our country, I owned a house when I was still in college. And... Um, you know, and then, you know, I explained to them that my own four houses now, and they were like, what? You know, and uh, they, when you rent, um, they don't have any incentive. The rent, landlords have no incentive to do a good job. So it's a, it's super rip off. Like the landlords don't keep the property up. So we were in homes that, uh, like when you ask to use the bathroom, there's a half an inch of water on the floor of the bathroom because the, the toilets are leaking and there's no um, sink, it's just a hose with a bucket and, and a toilet and that's the bathroom. And the, there's no laws that protect the people against the landlords, so the people are being ripped off by the landlords. And uh, that was one of the first things David taught me was uh, the landlords don't, don't take care of any of the properties. So um you know and um so that's that. We're, I probably need to keep going cuz it's and I'm sure it's late. So but you know when we went to the when we went to Kamala's house all 10 of the Amartis were there and we went through the Holy Spirit outlines and um we probably went through them for about six hours and little uh little holda eventually fell asleep on her mom's lap but she was paying attention and reading along right up to when she fell asleep and the rest of them were still going and if i had gone another three hours they, they would have been okay you know they they want to grow in the lord that much and uh And, um, like, I, I sat on that couch, and I tried to get David to sit where Joanna is uh, because he was translating for me to his parents. But David sat on the floor because they consider it uh, respectful, like Stephen and I were the only ones permitted to sit in chairs. Uh, even the grandparents sat on the floor because they consider that a mark of respecting the, the person uh, who's speaking, the pastor. So, uh, you know, of course, then I, uh, about the end of, uh, I guess I can't remember if that was, yeah, that was the end that that was actually after the, that was like Tuesday on Monday. Uh, we discovered that I had a big hole in my foot and it was very painful and so forth. And, um, uh, what had actually happened is uh, I had burned my foot the night before we left while I was making Catherine's tea. I made it in my bare feet, and I had spilled scalding hot water on my foot. But I have kind of a bad habit uh, that happens a lot when we're doing, like when we were doing the, see, John Luke remembers this, when we were doing the ceiling at the old church, if I'm focused on my work and I cut my hand or something, I don't notice that I cut my hand. So I actually didn't notice that I burned my foot uh and so the, the plane trip, uh, doing all the walking on the plane, what, uh, being at that altitude, my, my feet swelled up to where um, I probably had like 10 to 15 pounds of water in my legs. I mean, I looked like I had elephant legs. And David said that happens to him when he travels. That's kind of a thing they warn you about when you're traveling that you'll sometimes retain a lot of water. It took like several days to, to uh, get them back down but that made this hole in my foot get worse. And since I didn't know that I had done it, I was a little bit like, what if this is some kind of rare virus? (laughs) It's like, so we actually went to the emergency room and uh, what it's, you know, uh, you learn so much about a culture through these things, but um, they kind of knew that we had money to pay. And so, You know, we, unlike an American emergency room, we got to pass all sort of people in terms of how fast they took care of us. So the hospital that the emergency room is attached to uh, is plush even by American standards, like marble floors and walls and everything is clean, nice, but the emergency room was so dirty, you wouldn't believe it. And the equipment in the emergency room, like I have a a, a battery operated thing called an oximeter that John Gray gave me a few years ago that I use every day to test the amount of oxygen in my blood and my heart rate and uh, what else is it testing? I'm forgetting. and Right. So, so in the in the um, in the emergency room triage room the oxiometer they had w- uh, was considerably worse than the one I have. Uh, it looked like it was like 20-year-old equipment that had been probably discarded by an American hospital 30 years ago and resold in India or something like that. Uh, however, over in the hospital side, because no one gets in unless they have money to pay, everything was nice. So, and, uh, some of the saddest part, I, they did ultrasounds on both my legs to make sure I didn't have blood clots, and when you go into the ultrasound room, in India, the abortion is illegal, but there's lots of illegal abortion that goes on, and so they um, had signs, because most people are going to the ultrasound room to get an ultrasound of their babies that are pregnant, and they had signs appealing to the people not to abort the babies if they were women. Because most Indians uh, will abort, not most, many Indians will abort the babies if they're women. Uh, not as bad as they do in communist China, but it's a pretty bad issue in, in India. Um uh, so they had me come back two days later and I saw a plastic surgeon. And as far as I could tell, they mean by a plastic surgeon what we mean by a dermatologist. And, um, um, and then I saw a, uh, like a surgeon who wanted to review my case. But between that and then talking to my own doctor's office back on the phone here in Ohio and talking to Beth, I kind of got to the point where after a comfort, le- they got my comfort level that it wasn't some rare virus, that it was just that I'd burned my foot and it had gotten aggravated and, and grown because it was about two inches round and quite deep, and, and I hurt very much. And uh, in some ways it probably turned out to be a blessing because um, we ended up just conducting a lot of the meetings we would have in our hotel room which enabled us to see more people for longer periods of time. And literally, they wanna grow so much that we often uh, started in the early afternoon and we were we were still talking to people at 3 a.m. Uh, doing, you know, the, the first Sunday meeting uh, that we had lasted nine and a half hours. And uh, so, and, And the need, you know, that we're gonna talk about this tonight and and um, already I've gotten some commitments from like Amber Poon and Emily Furlow and other people that they're willing to help me disciple certain of the young ladies and so forth. And we're gonna have to do that because there's more than Deanna could probably keep up with. So let's go on. Uh, We might as well just show the rest of the slides. So that's the three girls. So Golda would be David's niece, daughter of Kamala, and we started talking to Golda um, and that's actually in our hotel room. That's the chair I sat in most of the time in the hotel room. Hold it, go, go back. So um, we started talking to Golda, what, a couple months ago and we are going to work very hard at getting Golda to be able to come for two years and go to Dominion Academy and live with Catherine and I. And I've just fallen in love with gold. It's so much, I was actually uh, on the phone with Deanna. Uh, it was probably like 5 a.m. in India, but I don't know, one time it, I was talking to her. And, and But I was trying to explain to Deanna how much love God had put in my heart for all, all these people that we were ministering to. And I just started blubbering, and I couldn't even control it. Um it was it 's just uh like these these two girls no, uh, they almost always wear color coordinated outfits, but they don't they told me they don 't do that normally that 's something they do because that 's a way they like we're, because we 're like the guest of honor uh, let 's go to the next one uh, so that is David to my right, and then to his right is Aruna, his wife. Aruna, I spent the most time talking to toward the end. Originally, they're from a very, very legalistic kind of Christianity, and there's nothing worse you can do in Indian Christianity than drink beer or drink wine. Like, that would be like committing adultery and stealing all the church money and murdering Samuante or something. (laughs) You know, I mean, like, you know, like, you drank wine. So... Unfortunately, when David first came to our church six years ago, he was so amazed that we had real wine during communion and that we thought that it's okay for Christians to drink wine or beer in moderation. That was the first thing he told Aruna. So she was very negative on us for a long time. And um, her and I had some very wonderful heart-to-heart talks. Uh, She's also from a Hindu background, and converted to Christianity as he as uh David and her were dating but one of the things we discovered they don't uh they don't have any concept like deliverance or even renunciation if you go back through church history for the first 17 or 1800 years water baptism had all sorts of uh verbal prayers that we actually if you remember our water baptisms when we did David uh gray and so forth um. there's prayers renouncing Satan and his kingdom and so forth. So she had none of that. And so one of the things that uh, she really, really wanted to get baptized in the spirit, but we, despite hours and hours and hours of meetings, I wasn't able to get her all the way through there. One of the first things they had to do was have her tell me her whole testimony, which we I listened for many hours as she explained her whole life. And so it was really kind of clear by the time she was done. I was like, "Okay, these are all the steps we need to take, but this is going to take some instruction and so forth." So um, she totally is on board. She wants to grow with us. Uh, she's going to be by far the best candidate for the. You know that will be the leadership couple. But. Um, um, you know, no one ever helped her understand that because of, she, she was actually involved in this very weird cult growing up and Hinduism and uh, no one ever helped her learn that she needed to renounce some of that kind of stuff and, and you know, she just had the four spiritual principles and you know, got baptized but it, it, you know, it was a kind of a content-less baptism like modern evangelical Christianity in America. So um, anyway, we're really on good track with her, but I'm going to spend many hours with her. And so Deanna, uh, and she really wants to grow. And she probably has the most capacity to grow in the Lord of any any of the people we worked with. Let's go to the next slide. So that is uh, our first Sunday meeting ever in our hotel room. Uh, just, just to the right of me is Golda. Those are song sheets that Deanna sent them ahead of time. Or, or, well, you send them the songs. Like, whatever, they have them on little song sheets. Golda led the worship. Uh, if you get a chance to see her on YouTube, she's a very good singer and and uh, and has no stage fright in front of an audience and so forth. That's Joelle to, in the, that corner. I can't tell. Who's that in front of Joelle? Well, okay, wait. Okay, go back to the other one. So I think I think in front of Cornelius is in the light blue shirt, and I think that's his niece um Priya, spelled P R I Y H A or is there no A. No H P R Y A. Uh that's Joanna in the far back. Then Hannah. Uh that's Joni in the red, right? Uh hold the I can't tell who's in the green back there. Uh, that's Aruna on the far left. Her mother-in-law Agnes. That's David's mother. David's father John Paul Emmanuel. That's Cornelius's son Joseph. I can't tell who's that in the green back there. Is that Kamala? Okay. So, all right, go on. So that was our that was our. If you add Stephen and Greg, that was our first Sunday meeting last Sunday. Uh, nine and a half hours, and Golda led the worship and did a really good job of it. We only had like six songs, so Golda actually came back to the same song a few times because we worshiped quite a while, uh, but Deanna's going to be sending her more and more songs, and they uh, basically, sometimes it's a song they sing at their church, because at their church they sing a lot of the same worship songs. However, they don't kind of distinguish, like some of the worship songs they sing were from like what we sang in the 70s and uh, some were like from the 80s and some were contemporary. Then they also had hymns that were old hymns and a hymn book. So what Golda did is the one she didn't know, uh, her and Handa actually found them on YouTube and learned them from YouTube videos and they were prepared to lead, like they had prepared to be ready to do this when we came and they had spent a lot of time getting ready, you could tell and did a great job, that's everybody, so uh, one of the really cool things with their culture is you can't, like if I said, well, it's like when when Paul uh, said, uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed in Acts 19, they start, if you mention Acts 19 just in passing, they start turning there, because they always look up every scripture, and it's like, in, you know, in our, we've gotten so used to putting them on the board, the, hardly anybody even brings their Bibles into, in, Anymore. And certainly most people don't turn. They always have a Bible and they always turn to every scripture you mention. And even if it's uh, Habakkuk or whatever, they know how to find it fast. Even though they actually don't, have never gotten any teaching about how to put the ideas together. So, and that's uh, flowers they brought me the second time they came to see me. And that's the pillow I was putting my foot up on on the table most of the time. That 's my bald head down in the front, but in Leviticus it does say if a man is bald, he is not unclean, it is only baldness <laughs> let's go let 's go to the next any more do you have any more stephen no, that 's all okay you can so um, i don 't know what else to share except for um, God put so much love in our heart, and they want to grow so much. Five five of them got baptized in the Holy Spirit while we were there. David already was. uh, And um, going from here, we'll start to disciple. But as far as the Bangalore thing, just so you understand, um, we've always been planning since we met Hanvesh to start things in Hyderabad. And... um, And when we've been doing the Google Hangouts calls, Emmanuel and Joanna have been living in Hyderabad. A few months back, Emmanuel lost his job and then uh, Joanna got a job for working for IBM programming in Bangalore. So they're now living in Bangalore where David's family lives. So we ended up with all the contacts we have live in Bangalore. Bangalore is about eight hours from Hyderabad and we still have plans to, to plant a church in Hyderabad I don't know how it's going to play out. I told David there's a chance that he'll end up being the pastor in Bangalore and Anvesh will end up being the pastor in Hyderabad. Uh, although another plan I've thought of, we'll just see what the Lord directs at times, is maybe maybe Anvesh and Deanna will go to Bangalore first, get that church off the ground, then take a team to Hyderabad. We'll see. Um, I'm thinking that I'll be able to... Uh, do better in India now that I've learned some things uh, as far as health-wise and everything, and hopefully I'll never make my wife's tea in my bare feet again. Um, so, um, where, oh, and then, you know, it, it's amazing how sovereign God is. Um, about, I don't know, two weeks to a month before we left, I was having lunch with uh, Sam Samuel Chen Singh at Bob Evans near Wright State. God always moves at Bob Evans. And, uh, you know, from right in the middle of lunch, I said, you know, we need to start a church in Singapore. <laughs> and uh, and it, that didn't come out of nowhere. It was because Samuel was explaining some things about Singapore citizenship. Uh, I always knew that Singapore was probably the most strategic city with, you know, you could part possibly argue that Hong Kong would be a more strategic city in terms of the Far East than Singapore, but probably not. Probably Singapore is, when you think about the, print. you know, I haven't had a lot of chance in our church to teach a message I have called Paul's Modus Operandi, which is kind of a study of why Paul chose the cities he chose, why, for instance, he didn't go to Colossae, but why he did go to Corinth, and there's a lot of rhyme and reason to Paul's methods. He only went to the most strategic commercial and governmental cities in Rome, and Singapore is the wealthiest per capita uh city and nation. It's kind of a city that's a nation. you know it's a, the whole island is Singapore city and you know and it's about if I remember it's about eight million people or something like that. Um, it, it's by far the wealthiest. Uh, it's, it's a very unusual city. It has a lot of strong government, but a lot of the government is oriented towards good economic policies and towards protecting the environment. There's no literature in Singapore. I, in fact, on the plane, I read a, a article about Singapore and their environmental policies. And, um, it's like one of the cleanest places on earth with one of the you know farthest thinking ahead environmental plans and policies of any place on earth and, and it's uh that it's actually nicknamed the Garden City because it's like a city in a garden like there's vegetation and beautiful things everywhere you go on top of buildings and you know every building is landscaped to the hilt and uh it's uh, a beautiful place, but more importantly. Like Sam cannot become a citizen of the United States of America without losing his Singapore citizenship, which is not not a good idea. Whereas a lot of countries allow you to be a dual citizen, Singapore does not. And so uh, there's a lot of reasons why Sam needs to keep his citizenship. And Singapore is probably the only country that you could be a citizen of. And when you're living there, you could visit communist China Indonesia, Malaysia, India, and you would not need a visa to get into those countries. Uh, so it makes Singapore uh, probably the most strategic city in Asia for what we're hoping to do. And um, so there's probably what's going to happen is eventually we're going to have a church in Singapore as well. And I'll probably have my own personal headquarters in Singapore and go to Bangalore one or two weeks at a time, and go to Hyderabad one or two weeks at a time. And, you know, each winter make two or three trips to Bangalore and two or three trips to Hyderabad, but we'll hopefully have uh, churches in other cities. Just, you know, so you know, like there are cities like Mumbai is 18.1 million people. You know, India is not, is probably about the size of, uh, oh, Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma put together, and it has four times as many people as the United States. So I even learned uh, all the rules and how to follow cricket. <laughs> so, and India is a super high-tech up-and-coming place. Uh, corporations are building there, and I, that, I'm gonna have two closing thoughts here uh, with that. Um, you know, I, I did a lot of things to try to learn as much about the culture as I could. Even, even I went to uh, various websites and read Indian jokes, because uh, I, you know, I figure you learn a lot about the culture from the jokes. So one of the jokes are, what are the uh, three most common languages in India? Uh, Hindi, Tamil, and Java, JavaScript. And <laughs> the- <laughs> The point being is, there's a lot of computer tech geek type people in India, and uh, everybody is, you know, uh, you know, their their approach to education. Like uh, in our hotel room, we had um, Dish, and they have over 50 channels that are just lectures from the universities on every subject. And I I watched a whole bunch of them because I stayed up all night almost every night, and uh, <laughs> and because uh, you know. Uh, So, like, you know how we'll have three or four religious channels, most of which are different varieties of Christians. They have one or two Christian channels. uh, that I'm not even sure if they're Christian all the time. They have more than 50 Hindu channels and all sorts of different kinds of Hindu channels for all sorts of different gods and ways of practicing Hinduism. And, and, uh, you know, it's... uh, Quite crazy, and then sports channels. You know, we have our ESPN and Fox Sports, and they have like thirty or forty sports channels, and they basically sh- are mostly showing cricket and soccer, which they call football, of course, and um, and they show like the European soccer, the and they sh- uh, the cricket. They show international ma- matches, but there's like a Indian. Uh, you know, one of the teams is where's uh, Logan Williams called the Mumbai Indians. And uh, uh, not to be confused with the Cleveland Indians, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, different, kind, different kind of Indians, I'm pretty sure. But, um, um, and interestingly enough, uh, although uh, Priya and Aruna both explain cricket to me, uh, in their country, women would not go to the cricket matches. That would not be considered proper you might your parents might take you to a cricket match if they're pretty westernized and they're a little loose in their morals it's not it's not and it's a little bit like our nfl football like you really couldn't take your daughter to an nfl football game because you, you, while she might watch it on tv the you know like if you went to a bengal's game the the amount of drinking and and swearing and smoking and and vulgar language would not be appropriate to take your kids to, uh, and, and, uh, crickets matches are, are kind of like that. Like, uh, both, both, uh, Priya and, uh, Aruna love cricket, but they've never been to a match. They've just seen them on TV. Uh, nor would they go because they wouldn't consider an appropriate family place to go. Uh, so that, that's so many interesting things to, to learn about the culture. Um, and I think I already said that the Lord protected us at the last minute. We decided to skip Europe and go straight back. And, and you know, the first text I got from Carla was about the fact that uh, we would have got stuck in Europe. So thank the Lord for his sovereign protection. Um, hopefully a takeaway from all this is I very much uh, think that we would have been a lot less successful and fruitful had there not been the prayer meeting up here for us right before we left. I got reports about all the prayer that went on for us at the woman's prayer meeting in the Red House and other uh, texts and notes from the Greys and other people about the prayers that were going on for us. Um, we are going to next week take a, an offering to try to offset the uh, India thing. Because of the current situation, uh, I I probably, uh, Josiah, you're gonna want to, uh, by next week have it so you can uh, put our address on the board at our house, because I don't think we're gonna go out and get a PO box just for this. You can, one thing I wanna make sure we understand is we kinda need the tithes and offerings to stay faithful and not to go down through this time. So you can get your tithes and offerings through to, to us through any of the elders or the elders' wives. Uh, you can mail them to my house, which the address is 507 South Smithville Road, Dayton, Ohio 45403. If there's a way to get that on the board before we close tonight, uh, Josiah, please do that. But uh, we, we really could, in addition to tithes and offerings, uh, we spent a little less than $10,000. Uh, Teresa and Catherine spent time yesterday going through, and did you guys end up with the same figure you had sent me, or did you had, and, and find any? So what, what's on the credit cards is a little bit under 8000 and, uh, of course, we took 600 in cash, and that all went to the driver. That's not uh, counting. Um, we've also pre-sent a guitar to them, and and books and we're going to be sending cases more of books, a big project that some of our ladies are going to be working on is we're gonna uh, we're going to be sending like a case of our foundational literature and outlines, like printing hundreds of these things and mailing it to them, even though they have Dropbox. That way we're sure it's printed correctly, and that like because a lot of the stuff we were printing over there for whatever reason it was cutting part of the head off it. And we weren't getting it, it wasn't coming out right. And so, and we're going to be sending lots of books. Um, And then David Yamarte spent uh, a fair bit of his own money on on our visit. And uh, we paid um, Cornelius a little bit more than what he asked us. But because we didn't have the appropriate amount of cash with us, uh, we didn't pay him as much as I wanted to pay him. And so we're going to be sending uh, a few more hundred dollars in American money to Cornelius. You know, he's trying to put his son through college. And, uh, and, you know, if you've never been to a developing nation, try to go on a mission trip sometime to a developing nation. It's been a long time since I went to Mexicali, Mexico. But it'll give you a fresh appreciation for what we have in this country. Um, our poorest people... Have better plumbing, better so many things than their richest people. And but you know, everything you can imagine, we we can afford except for automobiles. And uh, it's India is one of the fastest growing markets for automobiles, and the automobile companies are really focusing on getting their cars from all over the world, from China, South Korea. Japan, United States, there's lots of, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of nice cars over there. But they don't have commensurate nice houses or, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that all the uh, street shops, even in the kind of ghetto areas, were selling PVC piping. And the the shops uh, try to hang stuff out front that kind of tells you what we have to try to entice more traffic to come in. And so sometimes you'll see bananas or peppers or whatever. But a lot of the shops had PVC piping because it's a big upgrade for, for a lot of families there if they had indoor plumbing. And, and they just don't have it. And, so, and also, like, for instance, in our hotel room, again, a four-star hotel, very high ratings, our electrical went out around six, seven times a day. And uh, uh, some of that's because of all the construction, many, many multinational corporations are building there. And so they're, and they don't have any concept of zoning. So you have these, a lot of buildings would look nice in the neighborhood where Byron's office, I kept thinking about Byron's office, and uh, is it called the Beaver Creek Industrial Research Park or whatever, Kettering Research Park. So uh, there were a lot, er, every block had buildings that looked like they'd be at home in, in the Kettering Research Park, and it had buildings that were worse than any ghetto building you could find in America, on the same street, sometimes in the same yard. So that was quite amazing. And, of course, because of the Hinduism and stuff, the streets are filled with wild dogs and uh, cows and so forth. So, amen. So let's have John Gray up here.